0: Hello and a really warm welcome to this week's episode of the podcast, How Are Things? So this week I have a really, really good interview for you. In fact, I've done loads of batching of interviews. There are some absolute gold coming up, like I've been finding some amazing people, some different voices, and I'm really excited for you to hear some of the episodes that are coming up. So, so much good stuff. But before we get started with the interview, I just want to remind you about my uh, 2022 planning slash goal setting slash mastermind session that we're doing, the workshop that we're doing. Uh, I told you about it last week. It's on December the 8th. It's going to be from 10.30am to 2.30pm UK time. And basically we're going to go through what you did last year, as in this year, 2020, Uh, 2021. What year are we on? 2021. (laughs) Um, We're also going to look at uh, what you want to set goal-wise for next year. And then I'm going to walk you through a number of planning exercises, which is going to get you really sorted on exactly what you need to do next year in order to try and achieve those goals. It's a really important thing to do. It's great to carve that time out. Come and join me and some other amazing business owners and let's work all this together and get your plan started so that you can go into 2022 feeling so happy and confident in the right mindset. To ensure you are set up for success. So come along for that. That's going to be a really, really good session. If you want to find out more and sign up, it's teresaheathwaring.com forward slash 2022 planning 2022 planning. Okay, so that's that first off. And then next off, I just thought as we're getting nearer the season of jolly and happy and giving and loving and that sort of stuff. I'd ask nicely if you haven't yet given me a review on your favorite app or iTunes. I would really appreciate it if you could. If you could go along and give me five lovely stars and tell everyone what you like about the podcast and share it, that would be absolutely amazing. I would appreciate that no end. Okay. So today's podcast interview is with Sarah Marie Anderson. She's an email strategist and copywriter who helps entrepreneurs create lasting relationships with email subscribers through engaging welcoming sequences. After learning a, after earning, not learning, a BA in English writing, Sarah's continued to sharpen her skills and writing for clients, All over the world. Since 2015, she has helped hundreds of small business owners create authentic connections with their audiences through email. So, you know, I love talking about emails, and this is great because one thing I tell myself, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gonna say it's a story I'm telling myself, and it's not true, and I'm gonna change it, is that I don't enjoy writing. So it was really great to chat with Sarah Marie about all things when you're writing emails. So we went through onboarding process, what one was, what you should do, how you should do it, her kind of view in terms of the types of emails you could send and when. She also talked about the Fibonacci sequence and how that fits into sending emails. That was interesting. The mistakes that people make when doing the onboarding. And then really excellently, we looked at how to sell to your list or what to do if they're not buying. And then we finished off with her critiquing some of my (laughs) subject lines, which I was more than happy with. I kind of volunteered it because I think it's really interesting. And it just proves that we all need to kind of think about these things. We need to go back to these things all the time. So it's a great episode, loads to take from it. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So without further ado, here is Sarah Marie Anderson. Okay, I am really looking forward to welcoming to the podcast Sarah Marie Anderson. Sarah, how are you doing?
1: I am doing so great. I'm really excited to talk to you today, Teresa. I'm excited
0: because we get to talk emails. And you may or may not know this about me, Sarah, but I am obsessed with people building email lists. So I have to talk <laughs> about building an email list. I talk constantly about building an email list. I speak on stages about building an email list. And I, my focus tends to be at the beginning stage, i.e. you need one and how to get one. And what I'm really looking forward to with this episode is we're going to dive a bit more into sending those emails and how that might look and how we can, you know, manage some of those. But as I always do, I start by asking you uh, to introduce yourself to my audience and just explain how you got to do what you do today.
1: Yeah, so I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Sarah Marie Anderson, as you've already introduced me, and I'm a copywriter and an email marketing strategist. So I started originally doing kind of general copywriting and ended up niching down to email because I saw how powerful it was both like for my business personally and I also just really love writing emails. You know, they're short, they're snappy, you know, compared to like a long sales page that can be like thousands and thousands of words. I love doing emails and sequences too, where you kind of take that big, long sales message and you can break it out into little chunks that are like fun and easy for someone to digest. Um, I work with a lot of professional service providers, coaches, online course creators, all those kinds of people creating welcome sequences for them to kind of help get to know Kind of connect with those new subscribers that are joining their list, excited to hear from them, and helping them, you know, share their message with their new audience. Love it. So, have you always
0: been in this kind of space? Is this like obviously you've done copywriting and various things? So, was it always from an email point of view, or was it other things?
1: Well, so the first my first venture actually into this online business space was I had an Etsy shop for a while. Like, I started with a handmade shop. I was actually selling hand dyed yarns. I love to knit, I've been knitting since I was a kid. And so that was like my first sort of try. And through that is how I learned all about online marketing. Cause I was like, okay, I gotta figure this out. Like Etsy like shares some of your traffic, but like, you gotta find out how to market outside of it. And that's when I actually started an email list and I could see where I would send an email, I would get sales. So it was like really powerful, even with a very small list. I only had like a couple hundred people at that time, but I could also like see the, benefit of doing this and connecting with the people that had bought from you in the past, the people that were interested in what you were doing. So that's kind of how I got into it. And I fell in love with the online marketing side of business and especially copywriting. Uh, I have a background, uh, I was an English major in college. So I was like, oh my gosh, I can write. And do all this like cool stuff uh, with this online marketing like one of my favorite parts of copywriting is the research part so every new project I get to like dive into a new kind of rabbit hole and learn more about like a new type of business new type of niche new type of market Mm -hmm. so that really felt like a great fit and I started doing general copy web copy sales pages all that stuff and really honed it on email uh, as I went because it just was the most fun for me actually yeah yeah
0: and I think so one of the reasons I'm so passionate about everyone having an email list is one it belongs to you which is a key thing especially like the other week where Facebook uh Instagram and WhatsApp went down you know that that doesn't help when you're trying to run a business through some of those places yeah and two because it's that way of like connecting with your audience I love nothing more when people email me back like and I encourage it massively. And my team know that if there's an email from my email list that has come in as a reply, they leave it alone and I reply. And whether it takes me a couple of hours or a couple of days, I always reply. But what I want to get, because I think there's a misconception, right? That, okay, we can build a really nice email list. We can create a lead magnet that speaks to our perfect customer and then we get them on the list. And then what happens? Or what if like the engagement isn't very good? And actually that's as, but if not more important at that point, because you've gone to the effort of getting them. So now let's make sure that they're good people. So let's talk about the onboarding process first. So when, when in fact, no, you explain to my audience what you mean by onboarding.
1: Yeah, when I talk about onboarding, you know, sometimes I'll call it a welcome sequence or a nurture sequence. It's this like series of emails that you want to send to a new person that joins your list. And it's a really lovely way to kind of walk them through all the things you have to offer, introduce them to you, your world, what you're doing online, what you have that can help them. And you can do it in a way that is creating a lot of connection with them, engaging with them from the beginning and really getting to know the people on your list also. Cause that is so important too. It can be a way to also learn about your audience, research your audience and be able to create even more personalized stuff for them. And you're talking about replies. I love to ask for replies, especially Mm. in the sequence. A lot of times I'll do it in a welcome email. I'll ask people to say reply, tell me how they found me tell me where they're at in the world, even ask like a question like, what are you wanting to learn about this topic that I cover? You can even do something fun, like what's your favorite emoji, hit me back, I wanna, you know, like something yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. Like that to get people engaging. Cause one, you get to start these one-on-one conversations, which are so great. And kind of the magic of email is it feels very one-to-one, even very though you're- personal, yeah. Yeah, it's super personal, even though you're sending it to thousands of people. And then it also can help with your deliverability rates too. You know, people aren't replying to spam emails. So if you have a lot of people that are replying back, that is more likely than to end up in their main inbox because it's something that they've engaged with and it's something that they're actually, you know, responding to.
0: Yeah. So... There's many differing thoughts and practices about an onboarding process and, you know, they all have merit. And And for me, I guess when I teach, it's about, well, try and if it works, then brilliant. So what's your thoughts in terms of, so let's say someone's opted into one of my lead magnets and it's a lead magnet about, I don't know, I'm just trying to think of the many different lead magnets I've got out there. So I've got one about mindset in business, like and some of the mindset tricks and tools I use. So they've opted in, they get email number one, which for me is here's your thing, because that was the whole point of signed up. What? How many emails would you see in an onboarding process? And would you start, would you do anything else in that email zero almost? Like, or would you just go, here's the thing and I'll see you in a couple of days?
1: So usually when I work with clients, I typically find that the welcome sequences, those emails tend to be like five to eight emails, kind of depending on what they're trying to do. And if we're doing any kind of segmenting or personalization, stuff like that. In that first email, I usually want to just like celebrate them a little bit like, yay, you're here. I'm so excited for you. This is what you're going to get to learn from this thing. You download it, deliver the freebie, make sure it's very easy for them to realize how they're going to get it. Uh, And then a lot of times I will either ask a question or I'll set an expectation of, you know, look out for my next email on dot, dot, dot and kind of do a little bit of a teaser so that they're more interested in what you've got coming next like that is fun to do in a ps i love doing it's it's a copywriting term it's called like an open loop or like a it's kind of like a cliffhanger of like a tv show yeah. like you end the email with sort of a teaser of what's coming next yeah. and that can help your open rates as the sequence goes on that people are like oh what is this ne- new mm. tip or trick or whatever i'm gonna get from the next email and that's a, a fun way to kind of structure the sequence so that you're kind of like leaving little breadcrumbs along that people are yeah. like following up on
0: So we send the thing. And then do you have a very specific, like, is it number two? Is a introduce you?
1: Number three? Is it, so what kind of things would they do in those subsequent emails? Yeah, there's a few different things that I recommend doing in your welcome sequence. You know, you could do it in, you can change around the order, but you definitely want to have an intro email because when you think about this, this is probably, you know, one of the first Times people are seeing you maybe they've seen you on social maybe they've seen an ad maybe they've seen you know but they don't really know like your full story so I feel like uh, an intro email will tell you a little bit about you and then you can talk about either maybe how you got started you can talk about maybe your why behind your business like what lights you up why you mm-hmm. keep doing this talk about maybe your brand values something like this to help them have a little bit deeper connection with the name behind the email. I even like to do like a picture or something that's just like, Hey, here's my face, you know, so that they can kind of have that, that deeper connection. I also love to do an email that's kind of giving them a little bit of extra value. So that could be something like another lead magnet or freebie you've created. That could also just be like sharing your best content. Like if you have like your top five blog posts or your, you know, if you do a podcast like you, you know, your most Mm -hmm. popular episodes, things like that, that, people that are new to your world have not seen all of the stuff that you've created. So you can Mm -hmm. kind of help them find that good stuff with these emails. And so let's say you've done different
0: emails over the way and you're adding in these various bits. Do you go straight into a sale? Like, and I get that obviously it depends on the product, but if it's an online product or if it's a lower cost product, would you attempt to go straight into a sale or would you not bother?
1: You know, I like to do kind of some soft sell opportunities throughout the sequence, like maybe in the about you email, you can be like, hey, you know, am I talking your language? Like, check out my, you know, what I offer here, and just like a link to things, so that it's not like a hard sell, but you can pepper that in throughout. I also like to end, you know, or at least include somewhere in the welcome sequence, a sales email that talks about your offer, uh, so that people that come into your welcome sequence, come into your email list. And knowing what you do, like you want Mm. them to make sure that they understand what you sell, how you can help them and how they can buy it, whether they'll buy it right straight off or not is, you know, it kind of depends because you're going to definitely have people that join your list with an urgent need. They were looking for you. They were researching what you do. They found you and they're you know ready to buy. But then there's going to be just as many people. Who aren't in that place? They're mm-hmm. in like more of the awareness stage. They're just kind of learning, and they're but they like what you've got going. They they like you enough to stay on your list. They like the message you're yeah. sharing. So you want those to make sure that those people also are aware of what you do, even if they're not ready to buy at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I like it.
0: Also, do you wait until the sequence is over before you start doing your regular emails to them?
1: I recommend you do those for a couple of reasons. Um, one, you want to just like it kind of interrupts the flow sometimes of the newsletter, you know, if you have newsletters popping in and out, depending on, because you want to have this nurture sequence be evergreen so that anytime someone joins, the content is relevant. But sometimes you might be doing a launch or something in the middle. And if someone joins, like I have this story, this was a couple of years ago, I joined someone's email list. I got four emails from them within six hours because they were in the middle of like, their Mm -hmm. closing day of their launch. So I like got their welcome email. And then I got these emails like, why haven't you bought yet? You only have a few more hours. And I'm like, I, I literally so just do like, <laughs> No, you the <laughs> pressure. Like, it give me really four scary. hours at least. Yeah. So you want to like think about that in terms of like where the subscriber is. So that's why a lot of that's why I recommend that you wait on sending newsletters until they complete this sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Just out of interest, what email system do you use? For my business, personally, I use ConvertKit. You do? Um, I've I've used MailChimp in the past. I've used MailerLite. I've been with ConvertKit for the last few years. Mm. And you like ConvertKit, obviously. I do. Yeah. How about you? What are you using?
0: So I have used many. So again, I think most people start with MailChimp. Personally, I don't recommend that now. I don't think they've got what it kind of takes, really. So for my audience getting started, I recommend MailerLite. Although I've never... Physically used it for myself. I because I teach the tech side in my course. I obviously know how to set up a lead magnet and a funnel and that sort of thing. Then I used Drip. Quite like Drip, they were quite nice. And then I used Infusionsoft. Like wowzers, man! (laughs) Wow,
1: yeah, yeah, that was (laughs) serious.
0: That is like hardcore email system. Also, it cost an absolute fortune. I paid. I think I paid more on that than what I pay to Kajabi now for everything. Wow. Yeah. So I think it was like $180 a month or something for that. That was crazy. And it's an amazing system. It's phenomenal. It's not very intuitive and you've really got to know your stuff. And I probably used 10% of the stuff it had available to me. And now I use Kajabi. And I'm very honest in the fact of Kajabi is not the best email system in the world. It doesn't do like, funnily enough, one thing I really struggle to do is, and I, there is a workaround, and I think I'm just going to have to set the workaround. You can't easily have people not go into your main list while they're doing a sequence. So it's not, it's not as clever as some of the others, but the reason I still use it is because it does everything and having everything in one place really suits me and how I like to work if I didn't have a membership and I say this all the time so when I talk about what system you should use I tell people unless you're going to have a full-on online business and you want to use all the other functionality I wouldn't use Kajabi like I love it and I promote it and I'm an affiliate for it but it's got to be right for you and your business or otherwise it's yeah it's just a wrong sell if you're using it for the email only so so yeah so like I said there are much better systems but that all fits together. Anyway, I was just interested because obviously it's good to hear what people use. Yeah. So let's say we've built our onboarding system and we've put all our emails in place. Should, this is another question concern I have. So I have three lead magnets on my website and I get people, believe it or not, opt into all three at once.
1: Yeah. Like I yeah. <laughs> Like all, all, the time. Time. all the time. All the time. Right? They're going down a rabbit hole and like, I want everything she's got. Yeah.
0: Right. So. How similar should my onboarding sequences be, bearing in mind that people can be in three at once? Like, should I, because I have loads of lead magnets and there's lots of ways to get on my list, obviously. And I've built that up over time in case you're thinking about it and thinking, geez, I've got to have all these lead magnets. No, 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 you only ever start with one and then build. But should I have very different onboarding sequences for all of those lead magnets or should I use a similar one or what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so (laughs) I... that is kind of a tricky one because you want to think about, okay, if someone, if I had very different se- sequences and someone joined all three and they're getting maybe like three emails a day for me, like that is overwhelming. Like that Isn't is a it? lot, but it also depends on how similar are the lead magnets. Like, are they all leading towards like a general sequence or are they leading? Like maybe this one is a lead magnet for this course. And someone, you know, kind of goes down that way. This is where it gets kind of like, I would probably recommend looking at maybe tagging and seeing if there's any kind of way you can maybe either delay a sequence or like have one be your priority one or have them all feed into a general sequence. No, I was just thinking that. No, no, that's what I've been thinking about is I like, I have my main link magma, but I've been thinking about creating something new. I'm like, hmm, I think I would probably want to do a general welcome email and then they all go to the same sequence. So if someone joined each, they'd get like the, main first email but then they'd only get one sequence going forward because to me when I think about that experience I'd want for my subscribers yeah. it, it feels like oh that would be way too much of it? like so it might feel insane and, and especially think about this yeah as you're setting these automations up is like what are the what are the different behaviors and what are the different outcomes if someone does yeah. this thing? and
0: then the other thing I get all the time that I often talk about in my course but also for me is I have got people who are already on my list who will then go and get a different lead magnet. Because, like you said, when I create something new, they're like, "Oh yeah, I'll have that." So then, if I'm doing a kind of welcome sequence, "Hey, I'm Teresa. I, they're like, "Yeah, I know you are because I'm already on your list." So again, this is where this is where Kajabi fails a little bit, and we're actually using something like ConvertKit or ActiveCampaign. And I don't know enough about MailerLite. I know they have some functionality, but I'm not entirely sure how deep they go. This is where in an ideal world, and I don't want you listening to this thinking, oh my goodness, I've got to do all this stuff because it's just overwhelming. But in an ideal world, when you start to get those multiples and you've got to think about some of these things, haven't
1: you? Yeah, yeah. And that's something too, if you have someone that's already been through it, you can maybe do a tag that like, welcome sequence completed that would maybe exclude them from going through it again because that would be really weird too they're like yeah i don't I mean, really know you why am i getting this email exactly <laughs> this
0: email like six months ago when i joined <laughs> saying hey i'm Teresa. do you know i love gin they're like yes Teresa, we well, do go on about it all the time like exactly yeah that's a good thought so you've got some mistakes that people often make in welcome sequences that turn people off so what kind of things could people do that make people go no thanks
1: yeah, I think one could definitely be overwhelming that with too much at once. So if you're trying to like fit in everything in your welcome email, like, oh, you know, they need to know I'm here on the social media. They need to know I've got these courses. They need to know I do this, you know, like trying to just info dump on your new subscribers because you're like super excited. They want to, you know, you want to share all this stuff with them. That's where I like the idea of a sequence or serialized content because you can yeah. really space this out and and look at the like amount that you're sending like this is like not a hard or fast rule but I generally like to keep my welcome nurture emails on the shorter side like usually 500 words or less is I find a nice sweet spot because it's short it's easy to digest it's something that People are reading their their emails. They're in their inbox, all different kinds mm. of places. They're you know out you know out and about, checking email while they're watching TV, doing different stuff. They're not always giving your email their full attention. So I like yeah. to just kind of ease them in. Have one call to action per email. Have one focus per email, and just like kind of ease them in like that. That is definitely yeah. um, something I recommend.
0: And is that why you would rather do five to eight than three and four because, and this is something I I talk about and recommend that you only have one thing you want them to do. Yeah. So would you, so let's say there were seven things you wanted them to do ultimately, you'd rather them do seven separate emails than put two or three in each
1: yeah or even if you had a few like maybe you only have like three or four things you want to do but one of them is to check out your website you might want to do that in a couple emails like repeat some things that are like super important whether it's book a call with you or visit your online shop or something like you can spread that out over more but yeah that's why i like to have a few more emails and it also just depends personally on your business, your goals, what you want people to do at this lit at the end of this sequence. I like to have kind of a big goal, and a lot of times that's more of like a sales focus goal or like a connection, like, you know, sign up for a free call. But then I like to also ask people what are some other things you'd like a subscriber to do? in Mm -hmm. this list and that could be i want them to join my free facebook group or i want them to follow me on instagram or i want them to visit you know my website and see this blog post that's really popular Mm -hmm. so those are kind of like the lesser goals but we can sprinkle those in through the sequence as we're driving towards like that bigger main goal
0: and sorry just one more question before you carry on with the mistakes um What, and I know people will be listening to us and asking this question in their head, how often or what's the distance you do between the emails? Do you say, and I totally get, and you said something really early on, which is really important, is set their expectations, which I think is key. When people come to me all the time and go, how how often should I email? I'm like, as long as you set their expectations and you stand to it or roughly it, then you can do as much or as little as you want. It's up to them whether they want to engage in it or have it. So what? What do you think is a good time between them?
1: Yeah, so when someone first joins your email list, they're usually a little bit more keen. You know, they're a little bit more interested. So I tend to email a little bit more often at the beginning. So sometimes even daily, I'll like maybe send email one on day one, email two, day two, and then maybe I'll space it out a day or two for email three. I like to send maybe two to three times a week the first week or two, and then sort of space out to like what is your regular email frequency? So if you're normally emailing your list like once a week, then you can kind of taper that out to to about once a week. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I don't know if you're familiar with the Fibonacci sequence where it's like, um, like it's kind of like a formula. It's like a thing that's found in nature, but it's also something that people use sometimes for spacing out emails. So I'll do like email one is day one. A lot of times I'll do a confirmation email, which would be like email zero and then email one, which would be... So both of those emails would come on day one. And so then you add one and one to get two and day email two would come on day two. And then one plus three would be the third day. And that's when you send email three. And then two plus three uh, would be day five. And that's when you send email four. And then it kind of is how you keep adding the, last two numbers up. Mm, that's that's i like it out um so yeah if you look up the fibonacci sequence i think if you, if you look up fibonacci sequence and copyright and copy hackers might have something about it but yeah that's like a thing i've used and seen you know commonly because it it just kind of naturally can space it out that way where it's a little bit more at the beginning and then it just sort of tapers off yeah very gently
0: yeah so it's like one day one day two day three day five day seven day nine So it's like getting slightly wider each time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like it. I will check that out for the analogy, And we'll link up to that in the show notes as well uh, if we can find something.
1: Okay, so what are the mistakes can people make? Uh, The only thing would be coming on too strong with the sales. Like you want to remember where they're at in the journey with you. Like they just met you. Like think about that as like, would you be hammering them down on the head with like, you gotta buy this now. Like you definitely need this now. Like, or do you want to share a little bit more about What it is you do, well, you can help. Maybe do a case study or something like that to be like demonstrating what it is that you sell or how they benefit rather than putting them into a full on sales sequence. Like some lead magnets, I think, lend themselves more to that. Like if you have like a really high value lead magnet, like maybe you have a recorded webinar or masterclass or something where they've spent a little bit more time with you and then you like shared your offer and said, I'm going to follow up. Like that is one thing. But if you're just like got a PDF on your website, like you've got about mindset, like that might not be the thing that then they just go straight away into. Yeah, there isn't a direct product that relates to that. The, the ethos
0: of mindset runs through everything I do. So it's not like, so I've got a how to get started building your email list. Now that very much sits with my build my list product. So yeah, I get that, that, you know, but also not coming in too strong because of the fact that they don't know you. I always liken it to, um, you know, like, have you ever done the old-fashioned networking when you go and get a terrible breakfast really early in the morning and there's lots of people in suits looking really like they don't want to talk to anybody? Like, it's imagine that in real life. Like, you walk up to them and they go, hi, how you doing? One week, next week, email number two. Hi, do you want to buy my thing? And they'd be like, are you crazy? You know, and it's like things like that. We kind of forget when we're online because we feel like, you know, we have to get straight in for the sale and not warm them up. So, so can I ask your email list, your own personal email list? How often do you email them?
1: I have been working on this myself. You know, as I my goal is to email them once a week, and so I have been working on getting my Wednesday email out every week. So I've got mine scheduled for today. We're recording on a Wednesday. Amazing. Um, it's been you know a thing where I even. For myself, I kind of go in and out of consistency, but I know when I am more consistent, I see better results. I see better open rates. I see, you know, more people coming from that. It's been a thing though, where sometimes life happens. And so I try to give myself a little bit of grace, like working on email for people that are getting started. I recommend taking a frequency that works for you. I don't say like, you have to email once a week, you have to email this amount, I I recommend at least once a month because that's like a good amount to stay top of mind. So people are like, who is this? Like, I don't remember getting to my email. (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah. And even a month sometimes can feel like when you think about it only being 12 emails a year, it's like, oh, that doesn't sound very much. And see, I email my list three times a week. Yeah. Like, and initially I thought that would have been insane to do that, but it's fine. And I don't get that many unsubscribes. And if someone unsubscribes, that's absolutely fine. They're obviously not my customer and that's okay. But, and I always try and add some value and I do things on an open and close cart scenario. So when I open, I talk sales, but the rest of the time I just talk value and this is cool. Check this out. I did this, this thing, you know, so yeah, I like, I like it when I don't have anything to sell. I much rather yes. sending a nice chatty email to someone about something that, you know, I've done or whatever, I'm much for it. So let's talk about two things I want to pick your brain about. First thing is, so I was saying before we got on that people really get het up over the numbers about like, oh, your list has got to be this big and whatever. And I constantly say, you know, it doesn't matter. It I'd rather have 500 people who loved me and wanted to hear everything I had to say than 5,000 who literally couldn't give a hoot. So when it comes, I want to talk about two things. First off, and you can pick what you want to talk about first or what you feel most appropriate first. I want to talk about selling in those emails and what if people aren't buying. So you've created this list and no one buys a thing from you. And I want to talk about what if you've got a list and you don't think it's really very warm and you don't think like, it's really doing much, even though you might be consistent. You might have been emailing them, but for whatever reason, the list just doesn't seem to be doing
1: much. So whether they fall in the same sort of thing, you decide how you want to take them. Yeah, yeah. I just want to mention something about the numbers first because I think that this kind of like email gets this. It's been going around the online business world for forever. Oh, the money's in the list. The money's in the list. Mm -hmm. You just need an email list. But they don't talk about exactly what it takes to get conversions from your email list because it's not a guarantee that if you have this many people, you're going to have people that are buying. So I know it can be really frustrating and, Mm. uh, you know, hard when you've got like thousands of people and you're like, what? Like no one bought anything or this launch, you know, I had like way, you know, below your expectations. So I, we can start with talking about like, maybe like diagnosing some of that and like looking into maybe what's happening because that can be like, a really frustrating experience to have yeah. gone into all that work. So the number the first thing i would recommend you do would be to look into the stats of your email and see what you can find out from that because maybe you can see where people are falling off. So you can start with open rates. Like are people opening at the same rate as your normal emails or are where are your open rates sitting at normally? And you can kind of compare that to industry averages like uh you know average in open rates are 12 to 25 percent, depending on your industry. So you can kind of see if you stack up there or if you've got an engaged list that they're opening. What else are they doing with the emails? So that's where you can look at their click throughs. Mm-hmm. Are, are they clicking on your links? Because they might be opening and reading through, but they're not following through to your website. So if that's what's happening, I would think I would look at those emails and be like, well, what am I saying in this? Am I giving them like all the information in this email? Or am I giving them not enough information in this email? And kind of like look at, is the call to action clear? Were there a lot of links to click? Was it confusing? And look at mm. that, why that might be happening. And then if they are clicking through and they're getting to the sales page, but they're not converting, you wanna look at the messaging match between those two pieces of content. So is the thing you're talking about in the email consistent with what you're sharing on the sales page? Is there kind of, They're expecting one thing from the email and then they get to the sales page and they're not sure. Is there also, I would look into what is on the sales page. Is it enough to make a decision? Is it enough to sign up or for purchase? Or are there things that maybe you could go into more like, you know, focusing more on benefits versus features? That could be another thing to kind of dive into. Okay.
0: Sorry, I was taking a drink. (laughs) You know, I said, before we got on, I said, this will be very casual, you know, and,
1: uh, and, uh, and <laughs> then we can just have a laugh, you
0: know? It, well, honestly, I, I am a huge believer in like, we look online and we see these people doing these things and we're like, oh, they've got it all together. Like they are so good at this stuff. No, no one is. It's just what they choose to show you. So I try to be really honest and show you like, you know, the real life. Okay. So I think that's, there's some really good stuff there. And I think one thing we probably don't do, and I'm like literally writing notes as I speak about, we need to work on this or I need to work on this. Um, I don't go back and look. And maybe I was just thinking about some of the sales emails I've written, you know, maybe I should go back and look at the ones that got more clicks. And what was it I said in those emails? And, you know, did that
1: lead to anything else? But I think you're right. Trying to see where they're falling out. So what if As, it's nice to going, launch debrief after you have like a, a push or a launch that you do and kind of look at, okay, what were the goals before? What did we get? What was our conversion rate? And, and look at those emails. What were our best performing emails? What were our worst? And see if mm. you can see patterns between them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what if like, what
0: if our list just isn't doing much? So I had a thing where I emailed my list saying, You haven't an, you haven't opened an email from me and I got some replies saying, Yeah, I do, but for whatever reason it didn't report. And I know there's lots of issues with reporting on open rates. So now I guess looking at click rates is much better because you can't lie about a click or you can't a click is a click. If someone's clicked, they've definitely clicked. Whereas Sometimes an email will say you've opened it and you haven't, or you have opened it and it doesn't report that you have. And in fact, what was fascinating is this woman who emailed me back, who I know, actually hit reply to the email that I sent her and it still didn't show that she'd opened it.
1: Whoa.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So that suddenly that gave me no faith in anything that I could see. So how do I know? Now I And I do get lovely email replies, which is lovely, but obviously the number of replies I get compared to the size of my list is a tiny drop in the ocean so how do i know like well yeah can i know whether it is a warm list or not and then how do i rewarm them back up again
1: yeah so i mean i think one thing to look at for your list like to see if they're engaged is yeah if they're clicking if they're responding to your content like even like it's fun to do just sort of like a roundup type email with like a ton of links to be like you know just like like when Mm. you're not selling when you're like here's some cool things i found or here's some cool content I've created to just sort of see like, cause maybe some people are reading, but they're not clicking cause that specific email didn't get them. But maybe an email like this with a few different options and choices. Uh, and this is like, again, for like a newsletter type email, you know, you, that's not, doesn't have to be as focused as something that's more sales focused. That could be a way to see, okay, like who's here? Who is looking like, does that have a higher click-through rate than normal? But then as far as like, you know, if you're looking at like cold subscribers, subscribers that like haven't been opening your emails, I don't know if there is a way to tell if that's an accurate Mm -hmm. number or not without doing that sort of re-engagement sequence. And I recommend doing that for your cold subscribers and then seeing who you can warm back up because there probably are people like that, but, and then deleting the people that don't respond and don't open. But I could see where... I, don't, I wonder how many subscribers that happens with that they're like just not getting registered at all because that would be really frustrating I think as a subscriber if you're like every couple of months be like are you reading my emails are you really reading my emails? yeah and like yes I, I don't oh, you're I told you like yeah and that was the problem because this one particular lady who I know in fact she was an old
0: client ages and ages ago so I she knows me you know we've met in real life and she was like I do I read all your emails and I don't know why you just sent me this stuff like and and also because of all the iOS changes, yeah. Google you know, we'll changing all the time for Gmail stuff, like we can't rely on open rates. We just can't, you know, we can't be sure. So the click thing is a really good thing. But of course, you're asking someone to do something and they might not want it. But I do like the idea of, in fact, and again, like, so I am well, by the time this episode comes out, I've no idea what number episode we are on. But the number of the as we record this is 215 or something. And like so I've got a serious backlog of episodes and amazing guests and awesome stuff we've talked about. So I guess actually maybe just a, an odd email, because mine are, I like to describe them as love letters rather than newsletters. And I, cause I write to one person, I do one call to action if there is one that I literally write with someone in my head or as if I'm talking directly to someone. But I wonder if I do do a kind of Need help with this? This helps. Need help with this? Click here. Need help with this? Click here, And do like a whole list of, you know, various different scenarios. And then not only would that encourage more clicks, hopefully, but hopefully that would give me some kind of data around what people are interested in or what, especially if it was like, you know, getting started stuff, middle of the road stuff,
1: trying to grow my business stuff, then that would really help. And then you could, you know, mark those subscribers with a tag so that you would know kind of more about them. Something else, as you were talking, that I thought about that could be an option for, like, a re-engagement email is, like, you know, you can even approach it. Like, my email service has been kind of wonky lately, and I'm not sure if you're seeing these emails. Like, click here if you are or click here if you don't want to, you know, stay on so that you can get that data of, like, the click rather than just, like, approaching it, like, it looks like you haven't been reading my emails lately. Yeah, you're like, so rude. <laughs> what is wrong with you people? You don't double? want to know about me. I have all this stuff to say.
0: You've, like, missed on so much of my life. Yeah. Jeez, how do you manage? Like, yeah, that is so funny. But, yeah, and I think, again, saying that and saying, you know, actually we can't track these things now and I need to know or I want to know whether I'm still of use to you. And if I'm not, then don't click or click here to say no and I'll unsubscribe you or you know, do the other thing. Um, I'm super conscious of our time, but this is, like, I'm literally sat here. I, if I could get away with it, I'd be like, could you just write me an a onboarding sequence? And how would I say, and what would I put here? And Like, just get you to just do it for me on a podcast. That would be very helpful to me, not so much to the, my audience. What about, I just have one more question, just like I said, picking your brain. Subject lines, okay. So I've seen a lot of stuff. I've downloaded a lot of stuff, you know, one hundred subject lines will definitely get you opened. Blah 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 blah, and a lot of it makes me want to like scrub my skin with bleach because it's like, eek, I don't want to do that. Like, so what? What's I try and write really? I try and write subject lines that are enticing, but I also try and write kind of factual, as in like not salesy yuck
1: stuff. What's your yeah not like? clickbaity like stuff? Yeah, feels like you icky, won't believe but... what I did yesterday. and yeah, then, like what I did honest- you do? <laughs> Overdramatic, meant to be controversial, that kind of thing. Like yeah. that is a certain kind of marketer's subject line. Yeah. It like doesn't fit for everybody. And that's, you know, you don't have to have that kind of subject line. I like to like do sort of curiosity-based ones. And with that, mm-hmm. I'll do like a question. Like, have you tried this thing? Or like, have you, like I the email I sent today was like, have you heard this song? And I'm talking about like a song that's been on my mind lately and kind of like, you, using that as the way to get into the email but so i love questions i also love using these i call them my two magic words for subject lines that and you so that is something where it's like that this you know these things where you're not giving away what the like have you tried this trick you know could be like a thing when you talk about the trick and, and the thing too, to make a not clickbaity is to actually answer that thing. In of the, course, well, you know. Yeah, clickbaits <laughs> where you'll, so I
0: always get these things like, you won't believe how Susan Boyle looks now. And I'm like, how does she look? I don't care. <laughs> but for some reason, I need to go and click on it. And then I can't find the flipping picture of Susan Boyle. But <laughs> <laughs> that's clear. Yeah, I know you click on it, like 20 slides and it's not even there. <like>. Exactly. <laughs> or like, you know, they wish they'd never taken this photo. And I'm like, what photo? And then like, can't find it. It's a load of rubbish. So you're right. It's only clickbait yeah. if you're not answering it.
1: That, yeah, I like to also use you in the subject line because people love to know stuff that's relevant to them. So if you kind of include that or, or write a subject line around, you know, how you can use this technique to, you know, whatever the benefit is sort of thing. And you can also do benefit-based ones where you kind of use it where you're not like just summarizing what's in the email, but you're telling them like how to do something or like what they'll get when they open the email. Uh, And also if you want to get a little bit more advanced with this, if you're still trying to like figure out subject lines, it's fun once in a while to like A-B test things and learn like, what does your specific audience respond to? Do they like the more curiosity sort of, you know, clickbaity things? Or do they respond more to those like benefits, straightforward stuff? Because Mm. it's, it depends, you know, your audience the way you build it maybe your marketing is more straightforward and that's what your audience and they like it, from yeah. you you know and so they might respond more to that than something that's a little bit more like shocking okay so
0: i make things up as i go along fyi which is why i'm now gonna like do this last thing so I've literally i have a folder that i keep all my sent emails in that i send to my list because obviously i'm in my list so i get a copy of them So I'm going to read out some titles and you can critique them, okay? Okay. Yeah, I don't mind being the person that gets like torn apart. It's fine. So the one that went this week said, ever thought of a membership? Question mark. Ever thought of having a membership? Sorry, I can't even read my own email. Question mark. How's that?
1: Yeah, I think that that is a little bit basic, but also like not mm-hmm. bad if you have people, like it, it tells, I'm, I'm guessing from that, if I'm interested in membership, you'll have something in there for me. Yeah. So that could be something that would be very beneficial to the people in your audience that are like, you know, I have been thinking about it, but I don't know how to start. You know, maybe Teresa's got the the inside scoop for me today. So that was giving you a know, behind the scenes look of like what it's like to have your membership. I don't know. So that was, I interviewed you McLaren. McLaren, this
0: because we recalled oh. this, he's my interview. But like, so how would you sex that up a bit? How would you make that like? So basically I'm trying to say to them, go and listen to the podcast because Stu's talking about a membership. So that was my kind of
1: like in for that. Yeah, so that I would maybe even use Stu's name in it because he is such a big name in membership. So you can kind Mm -hmm. of like use that like name recognition from that. So it'd be like, have you... Maybe, like, also think about if there was like a kernel or something that you could pull from it. Like, yeah. You know, Stu's number, Stu McLaren's number one tip for memberships or Stu McLaren's, like, Mm. uh, this is, this is where I, I'll tell you this, when I write subject lines, I write, the, they are like the last thing I write and they, yeah. they take me, me, like not longer than the email, but they do take time to do a good subject line. So like, I am not the person that like off the bat, but I also don't expect any of you to do that either. Like when you're writing your emails, yeah. I, I play around with it. So <laughs> I think you're right. I'm just thinking of like some of the people
0: I've had on the podcast and like,
1: yeah,
0: I've maybe not exploited the fact. Now mm-hmm. I did put in the preview. I got to chat to Stu McLaren. So yeah. at least I mentioned it somewhere, but you're right. It would be much better in the subject line. Okay. I'm going to give you another one. Okay. Um, why batching content saves me so much time?
1: Yeah. I would say maybe that that is something that maybe like how to batch content or how to save this much time a week and you know, how, or how I save this much time and then make instead of batching content in the subject line because then they like know what the email is about you can kind of mm. play with the how i save x hours a week or how i save this much a month kind of thing and then the takeaway is i do it by batching content
0: you're right you're right okay i'm gonna give you one more okay okay one one i think that was quite good is let's be realistic
1: oh I do like that one because that's like very conversational and like you're gonna tell them it's straight in this email, whatever it's about. Yeah, and, and this is the thing too that I want to talk about with subject lines. They are part of it. They are important, but it's also the relationship they have with you and what they see when they see that from name. That if they're like, okay, I like I Teresa's emails. I know she's always got the good stuff. So like, what is this? Where something like that, you know, where it's not as you know, you don't have as much information on the subject, but people are still going to open it because they're interested and they're interested mm. in what you have to say about that topic, you know. About yeah. yeah. It's, it's, that's a very curiosity-inducing, I would say. Okay, thank
0: you. That was really helpful. And I think <laughs> looking at my titles, I think I'm a bit too, because I am like trying to pull away from the salesy, mm-hmm. like icky thing, I think yeah. I'm probably doing myself an injustice by not doing it a little bit or not, not giving it a bit of a twist i'm being very explicit in my my kind of subject lines like what content you're putting out there why batching content so so much time bonjour asked me to do some training (laughs) literally the most simplest like this is what this email's about there we go yeah
1: yeah well i thing. the twist is like the kind of like secret sauce just like kind of playing with them and see if you can come up with a twist well you say feels good and doesn't feel kind of too you know like baby yeah because yeah, if that feels yeah. icky you're not gonna feel good sending it but you want to maybe play with it and see is there a way I can push it that's a little bit more than just like a summary of the email
0: yeah no I love it thank you so much this has been so helpful to me personally and to I'm sure the lovely listeners listening at the end of this so thank you Sarah so much if my listeners want to come and find out more about you obviously I'm going to link them in the show notes but where is your favorite place to hang out
1: you can find me on my website, which is com. You can also go over there and get on my email list and then say hi to me in email and I'm and then copy on your own building. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You can also find me on Instagram. I'm uh, at sarahmarieglobal over there.
0: <laughs> love it, love it. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's been a pleasure having you on. Yeah, this was so fun. Thanks, Teresa. What did you think of that? She was fab, wasn't she? I really enjoyed that conversation. Lots of good tips. It's really made me kind of think, and I've tried to up my game on my subject lines. If you are on my list, then you might have noticed, maybe, hopefully. If you're not, then please come and join me. I do try super hard to make sure I'm adding value every time. Okay. I'm going to leave you to it until next week. It's a solo back next week. And don't forget to go check out that 2022 workshop I'm doing that's going to get you all sorted for next year. And if you get a chance to do me a review, that would be just wonderful. Okay. Have a lovely week and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then please do go check out com, where you'll find more amazing content to help you grow your business.